0: I can't reach my drinks. <laughs> <sighs> Listen, <sighs> I feel like it's worth it, but I don't like it right now. I, I,
1: yes, in the long run, this new setup will be worth it. I feel
0: very Wayne's World, like smash the donut on the counter. We fear change.
1: what a throwback uh reference and speaking of like wayne's world i just saw laura flamboyle on uh men in black 2 and i was like oh my god she's in this movie completely and i was like man the only thing i think about with laura flamboyle now is twin peaks and i just really dislike her Like, maybe maybe she's a nice person. I don't know. I've not heard, like, great things about her. So. I
0: haven't heard great things about her, like,
1: on that show. hmm I, I don't know. But I just always think of, like... I'm like, oh, yeah, she was in Wayne's World for, like, two minutes.
0: You know what you don't see nowadays is people, like, going by three names in Hollywood. It's, like, a strictly two- or one-name situation these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Like, great. the 90s were all... Three names: Sarah, Jessica Parker, Freddie Prince Jr., Jr., Jennifer Love Hewitt, yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You know what it is? Uh, journalists got tired of breaking three
1: names out every time. And let's be honest, with like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, everyone called him JTT. It's true. Because why not? Can you, didn't
0: he go to law school? Like, can you imagine? Like, you're taking a very serious class, and you're sitting next to like a dude that was all over your like, walls with a bowl cut.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess having gone to, like, Oberlin, uh, we definitely saw Johnny Knoxville at one graduation um, because his daughter, which, I mean, you want to talk about feeling decrepit. I'm like, I watched you on TV.
0: And I'm like, wait, how old are you that you have a
1: daughter that's
0: graduating college? I feel like that, like, just seeing a celebrity like, in the wild, though, is, like, very different than, like, having to take them seriously as, like, a human being. Like, it would be like if Johnny Knoxville was, like, your environmental science professor.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was there as, like, a parent, and it was Memorial Day weekend, and it was just, you know, Memorial Day weekend goes, like, one of two ways. Either it's really obnoxiously cold for being, like, the last Monday in May, or it's Super obnoxiously hot and humid, and like you're just like, am I dying? Am I gonna die being out? Like,
0: yeah, it's frigid or sweat, no in between, no
1: in between. So, uh, and everyone is wearing shorts and flip flops, no matter what. Well, see, that's the thing. When I saw Johnny Knoxville out in the Oberlin Wild, he was wearing a velvet uh suit, black velvet suit. An
0: Ohioan? He's
1: not. All the Ohioans were dressed like appropriately for the weather. Yeah.
0: Shorts and flip-flops, yes. but with a sweatshirt on. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, we we ended up ducking out actually after but my sibling graduated. We're like, "Okay, thanks, bye." <laughs> and, <laughs> like we're just like we don't, it's, it's like 85 degrees, like 70% humidity. It's too hot. It's too hot. Like it, nobody is enjoying themselves.
0: I feel better now I can see over it. (laughs) We have a new microphone set up, so it's a learning curve. Hopefully there are less mouth sounds for me to edit out later. A good portion of my editing is editing out all of our our weird breathing and sniffling and uh, like unintentional lip smacking. I was
1: literally, the id part of me wanted to just make a bunch of mouth noises. Get it out of your system. Go for it.
0: Do it. I won't no, I, I won't to. edit them out. I'll leave them in. <laughs> no, I don't want to. They have permission. <laughs> I understand. It's like the other day when you um, were still, like, coming off of, like, a flu, maybe food poisoning situation. And all I wanted to do was make, like, gagging sounds Listen, next to you. I... And then as soon as you got, like, legitimately upset about it. Then my brain was like, keep doing it. And I was like, no, stop. She's going to be so mad. Go go away, Beth. I have to get it out of my system. I, I did have to go away because I really
1: did think I was going to hurl again at work. And I, I, God. working at the place for so long, you get all the bodily, like, horrors out. And I've definitely thrown up at work before. And I don't Same. enjoy it.
0: I just always am sad if I throw up at work and I don't, like, throw up on myself so that I have an excuse to leave right and I always say I'm gonna like take one for the team and either stand in the line of fire when someone throws up so we can both leave or I'm going to aim my vomit on someone so that we can both leave
1: I the closest I've gotten to that is uh when I was pregnant with the tater tot I was driving on the way to work, and I did throw up on myself. I remember that. That was the first time I've ever thrown up in my car, too, and I was like, I'm okay, and then I, like, looked down, and I was like, I am not okay. I am covered. Wow. Holy cow. Where did this all come from? And
0: that's what happens. Um, when you drink gin with your breakfast cheese while you're pregnant, Beth. I'm just kidding. Nobody get mad. Nobody calls CPS. Beth doesn't even drink when she's not pregnant, so...
1: <laughs> you said I was a lightweight prior to being pregnant. I haven't drank in, like, two years, two and a half years. It's been a while. I'm like, I don't even know. Like, I would, it would be, like, being 21 all over again, except I know that I know but the hangovers are bad and i don't want that
0: yeah but then like i mean i agree i was like sober for a long time uh and even now i don't really drink but in this last month uh amidst all of my mentee bees and my personal life imploding sorta of, on multiple fronts um i finally opened those uh your smoothie. my 19 crimes dracula and frankenstein bottles of wine and drank one of them during our last recording and then cracked open the new one for this one so any preferences yet? Well I like a cab salve that's kind of my go to and that's what Frankenstein is that's what I have today but I'm also like a trash baby a little bit and so I had like a tiny bit left of the red blend so it's in the cup with the cab salve so if I'm making a lot of like faces it's because I didn't expect it I mean, it's not bad. They're both reds.
1: I, I feel like I need to just go, I do not drink wine. <laughs> Which is true. I'm not oh, a good wine drinker. Like, if you put it in front of me and I taste it, I go, Ooh. Wine cooler? Yeah, but that's even, like, too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. Like
0: This is coming from the person who offered, like, hard root beer to play true American in <laughs> her basement. That was donated. That's true. I, that's yeah. not it. You can't drink that's a that's a trash beer game that's a natty light or a miller light some kind of light beer that you can you can empty a lot of cans of and and still keep moving it's not a sugary malt liquor situation no, no. <laughs>
1: it's it's just wild like almost ten years ago that there was just all of an explosion of just like hard soda hard cider hard Root beer, hard, I don't know, just think of something kind of sweet that we could make alcoholic, hard water, like White Claw. Yeah. It's a seltzer. <laughs> just drink it.
0: Just do it. So hydrated and drunk. <laughs> Can't drink those. They eh? make my face like super red. I, the, uh, I don't like a lot of carbonation in anything, so I get it. I get it. Listen, it's fine. You're probably like, "Wow, is this episode going anywhere?" It is, and it's apt that we're just talking about being drunk and drinking, and partying, and partying yeah. because we're we're flashing back to the roaring twenties. Look at how much bigger it is. I got so much louder, and yeah. now like our computer is just like, "Wow, there she is. She's coming alive." <laughs> so yeah, so welcome back. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Beth's job this time. Okay, <laughs> welcome you all back. You've you've made it past the first of the winter slash autumnal holidays. We're cruising in December now. Oh. We're not.
1: You are listening to this. I, at this point, when this episode posts, will be not quite at my Lois Griffin breakdown holiday phase, <laughs> but, like, I'll be close to that.
0: You think this just comes out of my holly jelly Yes, all the
1: time. That's me. Like, I've had to explain that to so many people. I'm like, look, I... So, I do like Christmas. Halloween's my favorite because, obviously, I'm a spooky girl at heart. But I do like Christmas. I do not like the pressure of Christmas. And... One of the many reasons I don't like Christmas. And I... Working at a library, one of the things that... Britta and I do regularly are create programs and December is just one of those months that is very program have very labor intensive for us to do these like holiday programs and I'm like we aren't making Christmas magic for ourselves we're making free Christmas magic for other people and like I'm you know I'm pretty extroverted like I am very giving that way I like doing those things but like all the work and then you know, I don't mind people being there. I just mind when people are jerks, and that's what we get a lot nowadays. So it's just, like, things that should be a hashtag good time are not a hashtag good time, for me at least. Like, you know, when you get, like, rude people that come in, or just very people who are very expecting of, like, high standards, and then, like, get miffed when, you don't have this particular type of brand of something like for like a craft. And I'm like, no, I got stuff at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> like I have to make this cost We are
0: state funded. <laughs> we run on taxpayer money. What kind of things do you think we have right. at our
1: access? And just kind of dealing with that. So by mid-December, I'm usually pretty burnt out because... I'm, I've am i done a bunch of programs, and then on top of that, you know, with having, like, a little one, there's, like, it's not supposed to be a competition, it's not supposed to be anything like that, but there's a lot of FOMO when you go on, like, social media and everyone's like, I went to the Christmas tree farm, I went to see 8 million lights, and I was like, your kid stayed up till 8 o'clock and didn't have a little breakdown because they're too tired. No, they did. They just didn't post that on uh, yes, Instagram. I know. <laughs> I know. It's all fake. It's all fake. So yes. Uh I
0: I'm not gonna go off on my Grinch rant of all of the reasons I hate Christmas, but that's part of it. Cause I generally feel like everyone is really to another family guy reference, another Holden Caulfield reference here. Uh everyone's really phony around Christmas time. Like everyone's like, Oh, Look at the joy of the season. Everything's beautiful. Peace on earth. Let's all hold hands and sing the Charlie Brown Christmas song. And like two days before that, they were in Target, like throwing elbows, fighting over like the last toaster. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's phony. The rest of the year, you're all jerks. This is me. I'm up on my mountain of trash now looking at the Whovilles being like, you're all, (laughs) you're all... Fucking phonies, alright? <laughs> and I haven't even really started drinking wine yet. So anyway, writing us back in. This yes. is Lake Erie Library. This has been Britta <laughs> and Bath <laughs> ranting about Christmas. Yep. But what we're gonna do now is we're not gonna rant. We're gonna tell you uh, a nice Christmas story, a Christmas murder story.
1: I love that you say it's nice, but... uh, Listen,
0: good for her.
1: (laughs) Uh, So we are talking about today uh, Velma West.
0: The modern murderess. Yes. A nightclub girl in a curfew town. Uh, I feel like,
1: as just an aside, don't know why nobody's pitched this yet, but in my head, every time I would say her name, I'd be like, Velma West, Velma West oh, this could be a song. Wait, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. With the premise of this? Roaring 20s? Party Girl? Murder? Other stuff that we're going to get into I don't want to spoil yet?
0: Why has this not been made into like a musical? Because Chicago exists, back, And know, it's the would same be, story. Yeah, kinda. Kinda. I honestly... Story. Well, this is how I originally found out about The story is because I was like researching the actual people who inspired the musical Chicago. And I was like, wow, her name's Velma. There's a character named Velma in Chicago. She has a very like Roxy Hart kind of story. And then it turns out like it's literally not even attached to that at all. Like the people who wrote Chicago were not even like aware of her. But you know what? Here in Cleveland, people are aware of her. And her story got national coverage. So, without further ado, let us tell you about Velma West. Yes. So, Velma was born Velma Van Wert in 1906 in Cleveland to Catherine and Bert Van Wert, which is a great name. Bert Van Wert. <laughs> Bert Van Wert. Wart. Uh, at the age of three, she won the perfect baby contest at a local theater in Cleveland. Good for her. Like a
1: Gerber baby. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I just want to, was it like a Toddlers and Tiaras type of situation? Or was it just like we sat a bunch of like babies and fancy dresses on a table and people were like, that one. She's perfect. Hard, hard
1: telling. Uh, I, there are three. I don't know if it's a Toddlers and Tiaras situation. I don't think we got that zany
0: yet. I mean, Shirley Temple existed. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she spent most of her childhood kind of sickly, and since she had diphtheria and mastoidal problems. Ooh. So, you know. Bolto her... was not there for her. God, why do we talk about diphtheria so much on <laughs> this? It's diphtheria and James Marsden, like, every week on this podcast. And if it's not, then it's poltergeist. Listen,
1: there's always room for a poltergeist reference.
0: Always. Good gravy! So Valma was also known as Val, and she worked at uh, Rothman Variety, which was on the corner of 65th Street and Detroit Avenue in Cleveland. So if you are from the Cleveland area, that is what is today known as Gordon Square. And she worked there when she was 19. She was like a very tiny blonde. She weighed like maybe a hundred pounds, which that
1: is relevant for what we're going to get <clears throat> into
0: she had um like a very lively personality and she worked at rothman's for about a year before she got fired i don't know what she got fired for i'm gonna guess probably like smoking too many cigs or just party maybe she wasn't reliable i don't well, know she was like going on her lunch break to a nearby restaurant and she was there so often that she ended up getting engaged to the fix fifty six year old owner of the restaurant, I, you know, she probably didn't care much that she got fired. She was like, I'm "Setting myself up." Yeah, I think she's just kind of like, "Whatever, I'm gonna get wifed up and then I don't have to work anymore." Right. So, in 1925, just weeks before the planned wedding, Velma met Thomas Edward, or Eddie West, at a picnic. Eddie's father, T.B. West was um, known for his nurseries, not for babies, for plants across the country. (laughs) I always feel like I have to specify when I say that word. Not toddlers, trees. West shrubs and trees and seeds grew in the yards of quote-unquote love nests from Maine to California. Eddie was 24, Val was 19, Eddie was tall, dark, and handsome. She was a like, cute, outgoing little blonde. And Eddie convinced her to elope with him on the 4th of July in 1926. So they drove from Cleveland to Ripley, New York, got married, then drove to Pennsylvania and took a train to Chicago. Hmm. hmm. They... Ran out of money pretty quickly, which, obviously, if you're driving that far and then taking a train and just kind of, like, city hopping in the 1920s. It, right. It,
1: we're not quite at the Great Depression, but, like, we're getting there. Yeah.
0: Um, so, Eddie left Val with some of his friends while he went to find a job. And then he came back a week later with enough money to get them home to Perry, which is near Cleveland
1: and perry i would describe as like comparatively to cleveland like this is this is kind of the heyday of cleveland like cleveland at this point was a very big city a uh, very up-and-coming city i think this was not quite the peak of its population i think that was at the be more of the late 1800s into like the beginning of the and then it like declined a little bit but Perry is like kind of a small town rural area. It is opposite of like downtown Cleveland was where you went to party and have fun and go shopping and you know do all sorts of like gambling or you know prohibition was like a thing. find places to drink all that fun stuff and then Perry's like I'm trying American Gothic you know. Pretty, pretty simple, very small town life where you're not doing a whole lot of anything.
0: Yeah. And so Eddie, once they got back to Perry, he went back to work at his father's nursery for $112 a month and free rent on their house. So that seems like everything should be going great for them. Yes. But as Beth mentioned, Perry was not quite the lifestyle that Velma was used to. The city of Perry was like ecstatic that, you know, hometown boy Ed brought home this big city girl, right? They had a huge party that was thrown by Ed's parents. The entire city was invited to their house. Remember, he's got like nurseries everywhere, right. so they're pretty they're, wealthy right.
1: They're for their small town, they are like prominent family of their of Perry,
0: yeah. So the whole town comes to this big party to sort of like welcome. Val into Perry and, and Perry life, but they never really took to her because she was a city gal. She was big on smoking cigarettes. She was kind of a chain smoker, and that's not to say that people in Perry didn't smoke. They just didn't do it in public, they did it at home, right. like behind closed doors. Right. But she was just
1: lighting up on the streets. She's lighting up. She's got the little flapper blonde haircut. So she's this very petite woman that's like chain smoking and stuff, and yeah, and she she looks like a fish out of water. she's like the equivalent of gonna drop another thanksgiving uh reference. she looks like uh son in law she looks,
0: she looks like
1: um oh God, what's the name in that Holly Shore's character and son in law when he's just this wild Californian moving to Nebraska for Thanksgiving.
0: So he didn't bone me. He didn't bone me.
1: I love that movie. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. So Velma is just kind of like she's she's about that fast paced life. She's about the flapper lifestyle. She would talk about what she called the kicks and thrills of life. And Perry girls were like they were quiet, obedient girls. They all came from old families. They liked, you know, like, traditional lifestyle. They read. They liked old music. Everybody knew each other. Eunice, did you try that new pie recipe I gave you? Primrose, you know I've made that pie for the last 30 years. Are we in the same sewing circle again this time, or are we
1: switching it up? I just imagine that's, like, We're the switching because you know that I can't
0: stand Vera. And her weird continental style of knitting. <laughs> uh, so if Eunice gets around. <laughs> <laughs> Eunice says what's on her mind. It's fine. Uh, so, like Ed's Ed's friends would kind of try to um, take her out and invite her to their little get-togethers and parties, but she. Just very obviously was bored the whole time she was there. She didn't even make an attempt to pretend that she was interested in hanging out with them. And so Ed and Velma started driving 25 miles away to Cleveland. Right. Multiple times a week for nightlife. Like three or four times. Which...
1: If thinking back then, like, you know, driving's a little bit different. It's not like now where there's traffic jams or anything like that. But still, 25 miles, three or four times a week.
0: After you work in, like, a nursery all day, like, working on plants, like... Right, hard I, labor. Yeah, I I get why Ed wouldn't want to go all the time. But then that's all she wanted to do. So right. she kind of grew resentful of his not wanting to go. Right. Um. In 1927, in July... Mabel Young came to Perry to vacation with some neighbors of the Wests. Val and Mabel met and instantly headed off. These are two peas in a pod. They get along great. They went swimming and fishing together every day. And around this time, Val had taken to wearing boys' clothing and had cut her hair really short. Which, of course, Perry thought was, like, scandalous. How... Dare she cut yeah. her hair? But the time came when Mabel had to go back to Cleveland, and Val used to make the trek to visit her. And when they weren't together, they wrote long letters to each other. Oh, which Eddie started to resent how invested Val was in this friendship with Mabel, and started intercepting her mail. I
1: wanted to be like they were roommates, but. and they were roommates Roommates.
0: (laughs) it's accurate (laughs) so it got to the point where she went to the local sheriff to have him sort of intervene with him taking her mail which is
1: fair reading somebody's well okay i won't lie i don't know what the legalities were back then for married women i i know women were like considered property and stuff and and it's just pre-even women being able to vote. Yeah. So I'm not sure, you know, what it... But, like, reading somebody's mail is a federal offense. Like, opening somebody's mail.
0: There's a lot of steaming open envelopes, I'm sure. Yeah. So, like... Although, I guess if you're a man, you probably just tear right into it. Because, like, who's going to touch you? <laughs> very much feel like that's... Yes. When they were driving in, like, you know, multiple times a week... Um. Ed was getting tired of these trips and Ed was also known to suffer depressive episodes and it's been said that he could be pretty cruel to Velma. She would later say that he he often hit her. Right. I Um, heard that too. And he started to ask if Velma could just if they could just stay home more often, like he would say they were going to go somewhere and then he would sort of renege on that promise and be like, no, I don't want to go anywhere. Can't we just stay home? Like you can play something on the piano and sing. I can just sit in the chair and read the newspaper. It'll be like a cozy night. And she was not happy with this. No. Well, I mean,
1: on top of male getting broken into, she's not allowed to be friends with Mabel. Roommates. Roommates. (laughs) She's not allowed to be friends with Mabel, so she's not even allowed to have, like, you know, any other type of, like, fulfilling relationship.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's very, like, um, not really Jane Austen, more like Bronte sister type relationship here, where it's like, aha, yes, I've taken you away from the big city, now you'll be my wife and stay in this room forever. Yes. Don't talk to anyone else, just be here for me. Uh, None of those books really end well so (laughs) well neither does this because on december 6 1927 velma finally reached her breaking point so mabel had invited both ed and velma to a bridge party in cleveland a few days prior and ed had originally said like sure that's fine but when it came time to get ready to leave that evening he changed his mind And in the course of an argument, he said, I won't have you running with that crowd. So Velma, of course, (laughs) basically told him to go F himself. And this argument grew to a point where Ed hit her. Right. And I heard that he like punched her in the face and gave her a nosebleed, essentially. She later said, I saw red and shouted that she was going to leave and never come back to which Ed allegedly responded that he would kill her before letting her leave. So at that point, Velma picked up a clawed hammer that was laying nearby and told Ed not to come any closer. And when he did, she hit him. She hit him so hard, he fell to the floor. And then every time he tried to get up, she hit him again. So this is maybe six to eight times. I've seen varying numbers. With a hammer. (laughs) Then she rolled him over and hit him in the head with a detached wooden table leg that had been laying around because <laughs> they were meaning to fix this table and they hadn't gotten around to it. Velma. she said she just didn't want him to get up
1: I, I have it here in my notes that she wanted she struck struck him with a hammer until he lay quiet.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then she didn't she thought he was unconscious and she didn't want him to get up and come after her, so she took. Twine that had also been in the room. Now there is an explanation for this. They had a hammer and twine because they were going to hang drapes in their bedroom, which is why it was all there. But she took the twine, she tied up his hands and feet, and then she tied a handkerchief around his mouth. (laughs) This kills me. He's laying on the floor of her bedroom. She covered him with like a blanket, and then went and burned her blood-soaked dress and the bed sheets that had blood splatter on them. Ma'am right like this is starting to get a little questionable now i was on board with you like you know you don't own me i was like yes women's empowerment but now it's like burning the clothes was maybe not the best (laughs) it's kind of incriminating also like here's the thing
1: i'm not entirely sure how how big this hammer is but When you hit somebody, a normal
0: hammer with the little.
1: Okay, so when you hit somebody with a a hammer, you're hitting them in the skull. And granted, we did not know as much about brains as we do now. But like, you hit them once, twice, three times, they're down. They seem unconscious. Okay, but then you go another step, and you're like, I want them to get up. I'm gonna tie them up. I'm gonna put a handkerchief in their mouth. Boma, what do you think the
0: handkerchief's gonna do? I honestly, here's the thing. I get it. Up until she burns her clothes. Because from my perspective, if you have a husband who has hit you for lesser things. Right. And you hit him multiple times with a hammer to the point where you have knocked him unconscious. He's going to be pissed when he gets up. That's true. So that's I true. understand him, her not wanting him to get up and come after her. I get it. It's, it's the burning of everything, oh, like, hiding getting, evidence. Getting questionable. That I'm just like, girl, you lost me. But then, even more so, Velma changed her clothes and went to Mabel's for the bridge party. People at the party said she was in, like, high spirits. She was drinking gin. She was... Playing the piano and singing songs, which just makes me think of that SNL skit with the, don't make me sing. sing. Oh, they want me to sing. Nobody asked you to sing. Oh, don't make me sing. They're <laughs> going to make me sing. Well, then go ahead and sing. Oh, I can't sing. Oh. All right, I'll sing. <laughs> she spent the night at Mabel's that night. Right. And then in the morning, her mother, Catherine, picked her up and they spent the day shopping in downtown Cleveland. Right. They went Christmas shopping. Yes. She bought a box of nice handkerchiefs for Ed and she almost bought this scarf that she thought he would like. So they're Christmas shopping for her husband that she left tied up and covered with a blanket on the floor at home. Obviously, Ed didn't go to work that morning. I
1: would say to be fair, she thought she
0: left him unconscious. It's true. Bloody but unconscious. Yeah. When Ed didn't show up for work, his brother James went to the house looking for him. When he got there, he found the door unlocked. And so he went into the house and went up to the bedroom and found the room in shambles. There were bloodstains on the floor, on the walls, on the bedding that she didn't burn. There was a bloody (laughs) hammer on the floor near the bed. I don't mean to laugh. It's just it's just wild. Like I'm just imagining, like, oh man, Ed overslept. Maybe he's sick. Holy crap! What right, happened here? Right. There's
1: just I'm just the the Velma, You burned your I dress, know. and you didn't burn the sheets. You didn't
0: clean up the blood splatter on the walls. Like on the floor, he found Ed with his hands and feet tied up with twine, a but a bloody pillowcase over his head. Oh my God. And covered with a blanket. <laughs> So, obviously, he called the sheriff, Big Ed. By the time Velma and her mom got back to Catherine's house, Big Ed Rasmussen, who's the local sheriff in Perry, and the Lake County police were all waiting for her. This was basically like Big Ed coming to tell her that they found her husband dead and drive her home. And initially, they didn't consider Velma having any part in this Right. They thought it was like an intruder in the house. Right. Which,
1: to be fair, if I were the sheriff and I was doing an initial investigation, I've seen Velma around town. I know she's a teeny tiny woman. He That takes some force to bust somebody up with a claw hammer. and But then on top of that, when you bound the person... <laughs> a blanket on them and a a pillow. Velma, come on, a pillowcase?
0: I read, like, conflicting things that she, like, covered his head with the pillow and then kept hitting him with the table <laughs> leg. And then others didn't mention that, so I don't know if it's true. Oh, so I don't Lord. know if this was, like, a, she just didn't want to look at his head or, like, if she was like, I'll just cover everything up so I don't have to look at it. Hope they don't make me sing at the <laughs> bridge party. So, but when you do all that,
1: like, yeah, if I were a sheriff, I'd be like, oh, something terrible happened. Like, then I'm going to start looking like, did they get robbed? Did they get like, what happened? Where's Velma? Yeah, like, if I'm a
0: sheriff and I come home and I find the guy tied up in his bedroom, like bludgeoned to death, I think robbery. I think right. robbery gone wrong.
1: Right. Not crime of passion.
0: Exactly. So... As Big Ed brought her home, they started questioning her about why she like left the door open when she left or what information she could have. And Velma confessed. So initially, I feel like that was like, oh, don't make me confess. <laughs> nobody's nobody's confessed to what? Oh, don't make me don't don't make me tell you about the murder. What murder? This was an investigation. Oh, the murder. They want me to tell them about the murder. Oh, Velma. Now she's gone into the other Kristen Wiig character that can't keep, like, a secret. (laughs) And she's, like, crushing the bags of popcorn. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's going to know that I murdered him. It's going to be such a shocking thing. Oh, my God. Anyway.
1: We got too many jokes today on this couch.
0: (laughs) It's Christmas madness. It is. So, she originally was charged with first degree murder and then the media sort of picked up on this story it's like pretty young girl city girl lively friendly and it was just like how how did she do this horrific thing which again is very chicago
1: Wow, sounds a lot like
0: uh, Roxy Hart. Foxy Roxy. Whoa. How could this fluff, blonde-headed bride commit such a heinous act? The gun, the gun, both reached for the gun. <laughs> don't sue us. Anyway. So the question was not if she did it, but why would she do this? So newspapers start... Printing their theories, possible motives. A lot of it was, like, physical abuse. They're like, well, maybe, you know, maybe her husband really just. Right. Maybe he was a
1: very terrible person. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess that's paints her as a pretty sympathetic character. Like, he had it coming. Oh, my God. We have to stop. We are going to get sued. He
0: to it and
1: <laughs> Either they're going to sue us or Disney's going to sue us with my our guest impression.
0: Yikes. Yikes. We have no money. Our, our spooky sponsor doesn't have money either. <laughs> they sponsored us once. <laughs> Don't come for us. We're still so,
1: really grateful, though. Thank you, spooky sponsor.
0: I'm sorry we're thanking you in the middle of a murder story. <laughs> so, at this point, those letters that Velma and Mabel wrote each other when they were, were roommates, roommates. <laughs> reemerged. And um, these were painted as love letters and suddenly the motive begins that she was having an affair with Mabel and that was
1: shocking,
0: scandalous, yes, shocking. <laughs> and uh, this just sort of blew her to celebrity status. Reporters were like, noting, like, what she was wearing all the time when she was, like, going to court and meeting with her lawyers. they There was even, like, a local theater that was just, like, well, hey, once you get out of jail, we would love to have you star in a show. <laughs> and, like, very Roxy. Okay. This is why I thought Chicago was based on this. And this whole thing with Mabel becomes, like, a huge point in the case where because it's the 1920s and people sucked back then, right. they're like, well, obviously she's insane. She's got like a sex condition. She's obsessed with a woman. Like obviously lesbians didn't exist before the 1960s. God everybody forbid. They were invented by hippies. Clearly, so annoying. It's very annoying. Well, this is also like the same era of
1: like hysteria for women when you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, dear, she just needs a lobotomy, and that'll fix all those pesky talking back and not doing the dishes.
1: Or my favorite, that that movie where, like, the one doctor invents essentially, like, the sex toy for curing hysteria. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jeez. So... While they're trying to decide whether this is premeditated or an act of rage, um, this is when Velma tells them about them hanging the drapes. And she's like, no, no, we bought the hammer and everything in Painesville like days before this happened. And she was scheduled to go to trial in March of 1929. But on the day of jury selection, she agreed to plead guilty to a second degree murder charge in return for a life sentence. And in reality, this probably saved her life because she was, like, obsessively afraid of the electric chair. This was around the same time that Ruth Snyder had been sentenced Uh to death in 1928. For a similar crime, Ruth also killed her husband. And the state of Ohio was ready to introduce evidence that Velma was carrying on a lesbian relationship with Mabel. Their investigation had found those letters that were pretty explicit. And you know, if people were shocked by her smoking cigarettes and dressing like a boy, like, you can only imagine what would have happened if they found out she was a lesbian. So, Velma denies any sexual relationship between her and Mabel, and she was actually kind of annoyed by this. She was like, why am I getting blamed for this and not her? Like, she wrote the same things to me that right, I wrote to her. Right.
1: well, to be fair, Mabel didn't murder anybody.
0: This is true. Don't make me murder him. <laughs> they they submit this you know guilty second degree murder plea that I,
1: I have the newspaper article uh i just want to read it says the law says that the punishment for the second degree murder uh shall be confinement in the reformatory for women for the rest of your natural life that is the sentence the court imposes upon you and it says a flush mantled velma's neck her lips twitched and she seemed about to collapse when she returned to her seat the matron miss cora nash patted her soothingly on the shoulder then her father came over and they cried softly together the father's arm around his daughter's slim shoulders it's very descriptive for yeah uh, i mean
0: there's like a lot of newspaper articles about this that describe her like reactions in the courtroom her dad was there her mom was not and from ed's family it was just his dad and his brother james who were there and they like there's a lot of descriptions, like Beth just read, but also of her like like fainting in the courtroom mm-hmm. and then like weeping, but that I guess was because she thought that she had been sentenced to death, like she misunderstood what the judge was saying, and then when they questioned her about it, she she sort of was just like i'm like I'm glad that this is just over and not happy about going to jail but i i'm willing to pay for what i've done and i'm glad that my friends and relatives will be spared the anguish of a long and bitter trial right that's
1: part of the reason why she was like happy to accept her s- sentence it says like in this newspaper that uh if the testimony were to be brought out especially with them accusing her of being a oh
0: my god a lesbian a roommate
1: <laughs> Um, that it would impair the health of Velma's mother, uh, Miss Catherine Van Wort, and possibly cause her death. Very dramatic. She is now in a weakened physical oh, condition.
0: Oh my God, did you hear that Kathy died? Oh my God, what happened to her? Her daughter's a lesbian. Oh, God bless a soul. I would have gone straight to my grave. <laughs> Where are they supposed they're, I Listen, I just saw Thanksgiving and Patrick Dempsey's terrible Boston accent haunts my brain. And so I'm just like, ah, haven't you got any my, regular handbag of Michael Anderson? Let's go to Maine. That's fine. New England. Scandalized. It's like a
1: mixture of Family Guy and just New England. Love
0: it. Well, right. that is that is yeah. Rhode Island, right? Yeah. Quahog? Quahog. Hey that. Hey then, did you hear that Thelma's a lesbian?
1: (laughs) So, yeah. So anyway, she did get sentenced. This was also, again, to spare her family the the trauma and drama of...
0: It's fine. History would just write that they were best friends. Best friends. Best friends buried holding each other in a grave together. Anyway, uh, Thelma was ready to go to Marysville. She's like, I want to get out of these courtrooms. I want to get out of jail. Like, I want to be in the sunshine. And Sheriff Rasmussen was like, okay, like, let's get her out of here. But her defense attorneys made requests that they wait until the next day to take her to Marysville so that she could go home. Because at this point, she had not been home since she left to go to Mabel's that evening. (laughs) So this is, like, much later, you know? Right. And so they're like, she's got to go, like, get her personal effects. Like, she hasn't been in the house And, um, she was granted that request and they ended up taking her to Marysville the next day. So, she was sentenced to life in prison, but around 10 years into that, she was expected to be up for parole. Right. So, she just kind of focused on that. Right. But, seven years into her sentence... When it started to be discussed about her coming up in front of a parole board, they were like, absolutely not. Like, right. you're not going anywhere. You're staying
1: here for the rest of your life. Right. Denied. And she was what was considered, I hate I hate that term, to be a, a model prisoner. Like, she was given kind of a little more leniency. Like, she was able to walk around and stuff like that. And... they.
0: They had all of the women at the reformatory wearing prison uniforms, but, like, the better behaved prisoners were allowed to wear, like, special honor dresses, so she didn't have to wear a uniform. Right. She was able to kind of dress,
1: like, more freely and stuff like that, but once she was denied parole, which they've never really from what I was reading, they they didn't explain why she was denied.
0: Yeah, and it's also interesting that they denied her parole because she was not in the best of health. Like, remember, she was a sickly child. Right. She had heart issues. Right. At this point in her life, and she's, you know, in her 20s, 30s at this point. So, it's interesting that they're like, no, you're gonna die in here. So, she decided that she needed One last adventure. Yep. And she orchestrated a prison escape with Virginia Brody, who is from Akron, Mary Ellen Richards, who is from Cincinnati, and Florence Schelliner, who is from Gallipolis. (laughs) You remember our Mothman episode? That is a fun word to say.
1: So, yeah, they... Made a prison break in 1939 and they made it all the way to Dallas. And again, the reason they were able to do this is because, as I said, Velma had kind of special privileges, so she was able to walk freely. So it sounds like the prison break
0: was a pretty easy, like. And she's not wearing a prison uniform. No. She's like, just wearing a dress. Like, so people just were like, oh, okay. Don't make me stay in this prison. Don't make me stay. They're going to make me stay. <laughs> So I, I, I don't have the full details of how she got out. Um, the night matron said that she like checked all of the doors that night before they got out and they were locked when she did this check. They did talk to another woman who oh, was there. Um,
1: so she had keys to the front office, which I think was part of it. She also did write a three page note. Yes. Uh, to the superintendent saying, I wonder if you can ever forgive me for this.
0: Uh, Wes said she escaped to just have
1: one little adventure before I get too old, a.k.a. before I die in prison.
0: Right, at the ripe old age of, like, 30-something. There was another person there named Lenora Leach who had been sent to the reformatory for smuggling hacksaws to her husband in the Gallipolis jail. And they think that she helped her get out she denies that she saw her escape even though she slept in a cot right outside of Velma's cell and they didn't believe her so they put this woman in solitary confinement which oh. kind of sucks like your friend breaks out and then you got to go sit in the hole by yourself i it says they ran through the fields in Marysville
1: and were muddy and drenched when a truck driver picked them up on the Marion highway it had no there was
0: nothing like they didn't have those signs like are around Mansfield where it's like, working prison, don't pick up hitchhikers, don't park on the side of the road. Like back then it's like, oh no, look at these poor helpless women on the side of the road.
1: And they were in Indiana before prison officials knew they were missing. Mm-hmm. You just stayed away before they even like, wait a minute. It's just like Shawshank, but like less shitty.
0: Right. There was like another inmate at the time who was from Mansfield, weirdly that we just mentioned that, who was described as a good wood carver and who had made keys from nail files in the past. So they thought maybe she had like fashioned keys to let them out of the cell. <laughs> like, this is the cell block tango I want to see. Yeah. Instead of like the Mary Murderesses, like, I just want to see like all of the random people who are like, I smuggled hacksaws. I smuggled (laughs) hacksaws, And then I carved some wooden keys. Like, this is what I want to see. But they they asked all of these women, and they were on the lam for, like, over a month on their way down to Texas. There's multiple descriptions of people who, like, helped them hitchhike on the way down there. And then, as Beth said, she did write this very long letter, which I have All of it. (laughs) I just love the way it ends. (laughs) Let's hear the ending. Okay. So um, after she said that she hoped she could forgive her because she just wanted a little adventure, she asked her to not blame the other girls. She said, I found out by accident that they were going and I asked them to take me. They didn't want to because of my health, but finally decided to and promised to take care of me and not subject me to anything immoral. Like, okay. Miss former flapper, <laughs> get out of here. Said, if this should cause you in any way trouble, I shall come back immediately, for I love you as I love my own mother. I only hope you can understand. Oh, please do. I would be happy if you would let my mother and dad read this and try in some way to comfort them. I don't know how to tell you just how I feel. I'm being torn in two different ways. My desire not to hurt you and my folks who I love and my desire to just have one little adventure before I get too old and too dulled by pain to ever enjoy life. To tell you the honest truth, I hope someone catches us before we get out. (laughs) This is terrible to be so utterly silly, but I cannot help it. Darling, you have been so wonderful to me, and I realize the others have done as much as they could in here for my health, but I have not been without pain for so long now that I'm at the breaking point. I've hit it as much as I could after I realized that nothing could be done for me. Please don't let them talk too awfully about me after this. I'm not bad, just frightfully unlucky in life. Wow. I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, ma'am. I'll come back
1: right away. That is not true. I
0: mean, it would be so terrible if not for the baby <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is like not true at all because they hitchhiked to
1: Texas, they lived it up, they were dating, they were dancing. And then she used a false name and got a job at a honky-tonk as a waitress. Ma'am, they they knew the next day when you were in Indiana that you had escaped. What are you doing, right. Velma? She's
0: doing Dallas. <laughs> Velma does Dallas. She had,
1: over the next month, she had six suitors, including two men who proposed marriage.
0: I'm just saying... There's a lot of similarities. Yes, yes. I'll be good, I promise. I just need one last adventure. Don't let them talk too awfully about me. I'm just just out for an adventure. I'm not a bad girl. Even though I just escaped from prison. And I murdered my husband with a hammer.
1: (laughs) Also, like, living under a false name.
0: God, you know what, though? Good for her. Good for her. Well,
1: you know what? There is a good for her. She gained 10 pounds while feasting as a fugitive. That'll probably help the heart. Well, maybe not. I I don't don't know know. what she's eating. Well, she's chain smoking. We don't know. She's chain smoking. She's in
0: Dallas. So I'm assuming like a lot of ribs.
1: Probably. A lot of ribs. A lot of barbecue. Yeah. Um... They were
0: actually... So her and
1: uh, Richards, one of the other uh, fugitives, were headed to dinner uh, in July. So they escaped in June. And then in July, they were headed to dinner. And two police officers recognized them from their mug shots.
0: (laughs) God. Can you imagine? like Mary Ellen, I just, you know... I just got to go have some more of that delicious cornbread we had Mm. last night. (laughs) You're right, Val. We've got to go get us some Texas barbecue. When do you start the honky-tonk? Oh, don't make me (laughs) go to work. (laughs) Whoop,
1: whoop. (laughs) (laughs) We were crossing the street. They stopped us, and I thought, oh, God, it's all over. My heart started pounding, and I wish I had left town an hour before as I'd planned. As I had planned, instead of waiting to get dinner. This is
0: Velma saying yes, this? Yes! <laughs> Meryl! We were all rooting for you. She could have... The state
1: of Texas is so ginormous, so ginormous, that she could have, like... She could have literally been in the most podunk... I mean, she wouldn't, because, you know... she
0: She's a city gal. She's a city gal. I'm doing jazz hands. But she could have done...
1: I don't know. I'm sure there were towns next to the border where she would have been like, my God,
0: can you imagine if she made it to Mexico? She would have loved it there. Yeah,
1: lived it up. Lived it up. Señorita West.
0: Por favor. (laughs) No, no puedo sing. I don't know how to say sing in Spanish. Si se puede. Si se puede. (laughs) I can, I can. Lo siento. Valma. Once she was taken back to the Reformatory, uh, was there for another 20 years before she passed away on October 10th, 1959 at the age of 53. Like, girl, you wanted a wild life. You got a wild life. Mm -hmm.
1: The Akron Beacon reporter Catherine Sullivan went to visit uh, the Reformatory in 1952 Uh, who was suffering at that point, heart troubles. And she said, When I saw Velma on a recent trip visit to Marysville, I was shocked to see the change in her. She is old at 45. The sight of her would move... I know. What an insult. I know. The sight of her would move anyone, nearly anyone, to pity. The iron flapper is harmless now, contrite, wistfully wishing for freedom to spend the last days of her life with her mother, her only friend outside. Wow, her mother, for being so delicate, lived quite a while after her imprisonment.
0: I wonder if her mother also had a roommate.
1: (laughs) And apparently she had taken to counseling young inmates and urging them that crime doesn't pay once she was like 45 years old. Go straight when you get out, she told them. There's still a lot of good you can do in this world. Uh, And then she was converted uh, to becoming Roman Catholic.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's that, you know, there's no atheists in a foxhole thing. It's right. like, well, I feel death creeping down my neck. I guess I better believe in God just in case.
1: She said, every time I say communion, it is for my husband. If his soul can't be saved, I don't want mine to be saved. It's okay, Velma. I, I feel like it was kind of justified you hitting him with a hammer. Just,
0: here's the thing, Val. I feel like... Maybe heaven isn't the place you want to go. It's probably a bunch of squares. (laughs) I doubt (laughs) they let you smoke up there. Like, you know, maybe you want to go the other direction and just live it up for the rest of eternity. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what hell looks like for flappers. It's probably Perry, Perry, (laughs) Ohio. (laughs) Maybe that's why they have they have a nuclear power plant there
1: now, right? Do I'm not sure. I The only one I know for sure of is like in Toledo because I've driven past it and I went.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. That's where Homer Simpson works.
1: Oh, I'm pretty sure that passed my mind. <laughs> yeah, they do. They have a nuclear power plant. So again, I would probably be like, wow.
0: <laughs> wow. I can't believe it. I heard a flapper used to live here and she murdered her husband and now we have nukes wow oh boy my god if there's someone listening to us who's like god i hate impressions they are just dead to us now
1: yeah they're gonna really really despise this episode
0: we <laughs> didn't do it for you honey no
1: <laughs> so yeah that is the the tale of velma west um we chose this because you know we're like December. She murdered her husband in December. That's a good wintry tale to tell. Yeah, and again, the connection to Chicago is there, even though it's not there. It's
0: and this is—we're talking about the musical Chicago, not the band Chicago, yes. or the city Chicago, or any of the Dick Wolf Chicago shows. We were talking about the musical about Roxy Hart, who murdered her lover, right? Went to jail, made sensational headlines. Met Velma Kelly, right. yes, that's her yep. name, Velma, Velma Kelly, who also murdered her husband and her sister, right? Was on like the I don't think it was death row, but they were like you know in jail with a bunch of other women who were murderers. All yep. And and then Billy Flynn, I think is his name, yep. is the lawyer who tries to get her out.
1: We should know the name of the lawyer since we know someone who played Billy Flynn. That's
0: true. Oh, what is what is her name?
1: What L- is Lola? Yeah, Lola. Yeah.
0: That's who we're calling. Lola, her alter ego. You're never going to listen to this either, but if you did, how's the weather up there?
1: Kudos to you. Do you
0: play basketball? <laughs> uh, what else do you ask super tall people? I
1: so listen. I'm a pretty tall person, so I don't usually ask them anything because you're
0: not like six seven tall though. No,
1: but but when I am by, so like for for being like a tall woman, when I am by other tall people who are significantly taller than me, I go, wow, and Ooh. then I. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I just go. Wow, you're tall.
0: It is Billy Flynn. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't confusing it with like a character from any other musical. Um, they they made a movie out of it.
1: That's that's the only like reference I have not actually seen Chicago in person, but I've seen that movie many times. Yeah, I just I like John C. Riley in that movie a lot. I
0: don't like John C. Riley in anything. I know. I just I didn't... in in like if somebody were to make. The Velma West murderess movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like years ago, maybe he would have been a good Ed.
1: Yes, I could see that. Not now. No. Now
0: we'd have to go younger.
1: Mm -hmm. If we were to make a movie, and it could be a musical, (laughs) of Velma West, I am not sure who I would actually... I just finished watching *The Fall of the House of Usher*, and the young actress who played Madeline Usher, I could see her maybe playing Velma.
0: I think, um...
1: I yeah, I, I that's that's who I would pick.
0: Madeline, oh the young version, young of version of her. of her. Okay, I could see that, and
1: that's not just because. She, Sorry for spoilers for you guys because you know if you haven't Willa seen it, Willa
0: Fitzgerald, right? W- yes,
1: Willa Fitzgerald. She she does dress like a flapper in in the for
0: one scene. For
1: one scene, it
0: it doesn't take place in the nineteen twenties. No, so that's not spoiling anything. It's like a costume party, right?
1: Um, <clears throat> and that's not just because of that. Like,
0: yeah, I could see that. I mean, not to go completely in on. The Mike Flanagan-verse, then. But the guy who plays Roderick when he's younger
1: would be a good Ed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, that's very true. I could see that as well. Then I would just really, I would like somebody, I don't know, I would like a good sheriff as well.
0: And then Kate Siegel could play
1: Mabel. Oh, I like that. I like that.
0: Mike Flanagan- Get on this. Listen. And then invite me to set so that I can meet Rahul Kohli and your wife and you and we can all the four of us can go to a waffle house at like three AM because that's all I really want out of life. Wait, how do I go too? Beth will come too. We'll need the big booth.
1: (laughs) I just have a lot of questions for Mike about
0: Stephen King and the Dark Tower universe, that's all. Well, that'll have to happen at another time because the Waffle House is just for existential questions. Okay. And then the fight that inevitably breaks out at a Waffle House. Because listen, I think the three of them would be really scrappy in a fight. Like I know Raul, he's like giant. I know he could like throw down. And I really think Kate would be the one to like pick up a chair. <laughs> so I just, that's like my dream. My dream is always like hanging out with like a, a famous person at, like, when you've hung out for, like, hours and then you inevitably end up at an all-night diner at, like, 3 a.m. eating pancakes. Like, that's what I always want when I dream about meeting people. I am a
1: bit of a pacifist, but I feel like if a fight were to break out and I saw someone try to punch you, that's inevitably, like, my trigger point for, like, what makes Beth, like, Hulk angry is just, like, when I see other people, like...
0: That's fair, but... If we're being fully realistic, I'm probably the one that starts the fight. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of impulse control when it comes to me being angry. I it just sort of happens and then later I'm like, mm, not my best work. Not my best work. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. And see, I have I have a lot of
1: impulse control. Thank you, all the category placements. This is tonight. why we work so well together. Um, but as I said, my, my triggering points of like, what makes Beth angry is seeing people being like shitty to my friends or like, if they were like, I'm gonna like pull Britta's hair or something like that. I'd be like, no, no, no.
0: Yeah. You are the Dustin to my L. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: She's our friend and she's crazy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't have as good as hair as he does though nobody has Gatton's hair no
0: it's like his superpower I don't know he's great he's on Broadway right now anyway (laughs) anyways so yeah that is the story of Velma West
1: if you guys have anything to add or if you're more interested in it there are several books that have been written about her and articles and since she is pretty famous in Cleveland for being Uh, There's a book called, like, The Wicked Women of Cleveland or something like that. And then a local author named John Bellamy um, has written several books about true crime in Cleveland, and she is included in those books as well. You can find out more about her through any of those things or a quick search. Uh, As I said, since this did happen in kind of the early 1900s, a lot of this stuff is available online for free.
0: Yeah, and if you are from the area of, like, Cleveland, Cleveland adjacent, and you ever go to Gordon Square, that West 65th area, um, now there are, like, a lot of restaurants there, a lot of really good restaurants there. Um, They all close really early, though, so (laughs) it's not the flapper nightlife anymore, but... No. uh, Yeah, go check it out. It's very walkable. It's a lot of cool things to see there's like a a couple of different theaters down there there's like three that i can think of that are right in that area that do um like stage productions so yeah, yeah. detroit shoreway What's some, up?
1: somebody uh write that musical for us but give us some credit it's our credit anyways uh you can catch us at all of our social media well we have two. <laughs> you can catch all us. two
0: of our social media. We're accounts. working
1: on expanding slowly but surely. Uh you can catch us at Lake Erie Library. And um you can also catch us where podcasts are
0: available.
1: Uh we are now available on all the different platforms, which is a uh, sigh of relief.
0: I know. Just in time for like Google podcasts to start going away. Yes. That makes me sad. That's why I listen to everything. But Yep, you can find us online. Maybe this is our foray into um, TikTok as we start doing our musical. Listen, if it worked for Ratatouille the musical, it can work for us, Beth. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Maybe this is our, this is my Christmas wish. That we can monetize our Velma West TikTok musical. Thank you. (laughs)
1: So, yeah, and once again, thank you to our spooky sponsor, who we have not thanked in a little while.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Sometimes we take two weeks off and then we record like two episodes in a day and we just don't know what's happening. No. But we are very grateful. Yes. And... In this season where everyone's phony about being grateful, we are truly grateful for our spooky sponsor.
1: We (laughs) are. We appreciate them. And, yeah, uh, thank you again for listening to the Lake Erie Library and stay spooky, friends.